I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast, a very exciting edition of the HTC podcast. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast, the publisher of hoistthecolors.net. I'm joined on this Memorial Day. It's a holiday, but it's always a work day for those of us that cover college baseball. Joined by the extravagant, busy man, Jonathan Wagner, fresh off his trip to Clearwater. He's got a nice tan going. Uh, He cheered on the Pirates. He was not a working media member in Clearwater. Could not will them to victory, so, you know, he did his best. But, Jonathan, welcome back to, to Greenville. Wow, that's a that's a heck of an intro there for me. I don't really know what to say to follow that up, but yeah, I had a heck of a time in Clearwater. It was a long drive though. Left at about five AM yesterday morning, so I'm a little tired, but I was glad to go there. It was a fun week and I'm yeah, it's an exciting podcast today. I'm excited to look forward to the rest of the year and recap the last week. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, man, it's um you know, usually we 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 go and and we we talk about the previous week, but almost, you know, forget that. Like, who cares? Like, I, I know you were there in Clearwater. You almost got kicked out of the stadium for being so obnoxious. Uh, that's how bad you and Davis and those guys were. Um, you know, no need to tell the full story, of course, because we know that you know you guys almost got kicked out. But either way. This is all about the regional, Jonathan. This is a day we've been waiting on for so long. You know, I, I really. I don't enjoy the projections, but we, you know we have to post them because they like kind of give us a sense of how everything's shaping up, how the committee might be looking at things. But we'll talk about this in a little bit because we're going to dive right into kind of ECU's the, the field, the regional, um, which they will be facing. But I, I thought that it was interesting that D1 baseball, which is usually right on it as far as the postseason, I thought they were pretty far off on a number of these picks. They did get 63 of the 64 projected teams in but uh the national seeds were kind of all over the place and um you know quite a few surprises Jonathan just uh before we dive right into ECU just your take on, on watching the field unfold and kind of seeing everything lay out as it was as far as the field of 64. Yeah I thought watching the selection show like you said you know the projections not just from D1 to Baseball America too it was kind of all over it was different really really everywhere you looked but I thought one of the most interesting things to me, I think when we saw South Carolina announced as a host site last night, you kind of figured, you know, Old Dominion was going there. But I didn't imagine Old Dominion was going to be as high as I believe they were the 11th overall seed. So I had a feeling Old Dominion would be there as the one seed, but I didn't know they would be ranked that high. So that was a surprise to me. I think they deserve it, but just wasn't expecting them to be that highly ranked. But overall, I mean... I was surprised that ECU did not get NC State, UNC, Duke, any of those teams. You kind of everyone kind of just assumed that would happen, but it didn't. But overall, the field, I think it there are some really 
fun regionals that are shaping up here over the next week. And I think there's, it's going to be a fun weekend in college baseball. I love regionals. I love super regionals. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. And another one, I think I was surprised Notre Dame wasn't a top eight national seed. Uh, opinions on whether they deserve it or not. I think it was, I just assumed they would just based on their resume, but they didn't. So that was a surprise, but yeah, overall, I'm just excited to see some really good college baseball play out postseason baseball over the next couple of weeks. Cause we didn't get it last year. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You just can't take this for granted at all. And, um, yeah, Notre Dame, you know, that was the thing is everybody, not to go too far off on a tangent here before we dive into ECU, but everybody just assumed because they won the ACC that they would be a national seed. Well, I applaud the committee for, you know, not just handing them a national seed because they won the ACC. I mean, they didn't exactly do it in dominant fashion, and they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. So, um, yeah, man, make them earn it. Like, don't give Notre Dame a national seed just because they ranked the top the ACC. So I'm glad they did that. Don't really understand how Texas Tech got a number eight, but whatever. We'll talk about that more later maybe. Um, let's dive into ECU and the Greenville Regional. Jonathan, you know, projections were anywhere from basically uh, 13 to 15 heading into today. You know, we kind of felt like we had texted about this, that they were more in that 11 to 13 range. They ended up falling right on 13 as the 13 national seed and a host, of course, and the Pirates will be welcoming Charlotte as the two seed, which they faced in the regular season in a three-game series and swept in Greenville back in March. Maryland as the three seed, which I think is a, a pretty big surprise out of the Big Ten in terms of coming to Greenville. They were always going to be an at-large team finishing second in the Big Ten. And Norfolk State as the number four seed, which is a very – favorable number four on paper especially when you look at some of these other brackets where Arizona's having to take on a tough Grand Canyon team Wright State a four seed at Tennessee that's a pretty pretty brutal four seed for the number three national seed but uh your initial thoughts on the field Jonathan I mean for me when I got to the party talking with some people in the know you know I, I heard right out of the gate that Duke North Carolina and NC State would not be coming to Greenville. And the first thing I thought of, well, Charlotte's a strong possibility, but also could they get an SEC team? Uh, and for ECU to miss out on not having an ACC or SEC team in a regional, I thought was a pretty big surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said earlier, I think everyone just assumed, you know, one of Carolina, Duke, or NC State were going to show up in our regional field somewhere as a two or a three. They didn't. People were scared of, you know, a team like South Carolina coming here as a two. Obviously, last night with them announced at the host site, that wasn't the case. But, yeah, I think my initial reaction is this is a pretty favorable regional mat regional pair or regional grouping, I would say, for ECU. You know, like you said, they swept Charlotte, and that's not to take anything away from Charlotte. They were in the conversation to host all of the last part of the season. They, I think they're a different team than when they played ECU earlier in the season. They've gotten a lot better. Maryland ended the season on a great note. They played well down the stretch. And Norfolk State, yeah, I think that's, like you said, about as good as you can ask for for a four for ECU. But it's important not to overlook them because it is postseason baseball, and baseball is a sport to where any team can win any given day, game any day. So it's important for ECU to not look past number the number four and look ahead to the number two matchup so 
yeah, it'll be a fun weekend in region in regionals in Greenville, but I think pretty favorable all around considering what the alternative solutions could have been. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is, I, I do I th- I do think on paper ECU's got to be the favorite for sure to win this regional. You know, in the past year, like when South Carolina was the two, you know, they even though ECU was the host, a lot of people had them slated to win. A lot of people picked State to win in 2019, but. Even if VCU is the favorite, all they have to do is is remember 2019. Who the hell is Quinnipiac? Well, you lost the first game, and then all of a sudden you were pretty – I mean, you, you had your back against the wall from there. So I don't think this is a situation where ECU will overlook anyone because they remember the Quinnipiac game. That's so fresh in the mind of many of these players who are on that team and those that were you know, signed at that point that were watching that I just – you know, even though Norfolk State's a, a perceived weaker four-seed – you, you know you, you know that they can come in here and all you have to do is make a few errors or then play out of their minds and they can easily win a baseball game. I'm sure they have a good pitcher or two. Haven't dove into them too much, um, which we'll, we'll take a quick glance at some of the key stats for these three teams in the regional along with East Carolina. But, yeah, I think Charlotte's, a, you know, a dangerous two seed. Uh, we, we All three of those games in March were close, and I think they got kind of better throughout the year. I know they didn't finish strong, but they've got some arms. They've got some big bats. Maryland, you know, looking at some of their strikeout numbers and some of their uh, top hitters, they can really pitch, especially at the top of their rotation. Got a bunch of strikeouts. So, you know, it's a sneaky three seed, I think. Don't sleep on Maryland just because they're out of the Big Ten. I think that they're a much improved team over uh, the team that Jake Cooch made a perfect game a couple years ago. Um and we'll take a quick deep look into these teams in a minute, Jonathan. But, you know, the real buzzkill of this, and I don't want to look too far ahead, but, man, ECU's Greenville Regional matched up with the Nashville Regional. Vanderbilt, the defending national champions, probably the number one and number two picks in the Major League Baseball draft in uh, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. And um, just looking ahead, because we're the media, we can do that. Uh, that is a absolutely brutal, brutal super regional draw if it plays out that way. And ECU's got a lot to take care of before that, but just looking at the pairing, Jonathan, that was uh, them in Arkansas were the one team, the two, the two teams I did not want to see ECU paired up with in a potential super. Unfortunately, the Pirates draw the Commodores, which is a, a hell of a four seed, man. That is a, that's a team you, you don't want to see on a path to Omaha. Yeah, I think brutal is pretty – accurate right there i mean the no the one-two punch you're not going to find that one-two punch anywhere over the past few years really in a long time i mean rocker and leader great pitchers and it's tough ecu has a nice one-two punch of gavin williams and carson wisenhunt but man that's tough because they're going to have to be near perfect to do something like that but i think all we can hope for is ecu takes takes care of business and vanderbilt craps the bed and someone else comes out of that regional. And will it happen? Who knows? Like you said, it's tough to look forward. But, man, that's brutal. Vanderbilt, like you said, it's brutal. Yeah, just uh, – I don't, again, we'll dive more to that matchup if it happens. It's a major if because ECU's got to win a number of ball games between now and then. And, look, Vanderbilt's got to go out and they have to win their regional. They have uh, Georgia Tech as the two, Indiana State as the three, Presbyterian as the four. So, Georgia Tech and Indiana State – you know, two sneaky teams. Of course, Georgia Tech, very talented. But, um, 
Uh, that is, you know, the winner of these two regionals will square off. So it'll be interesting to see. Although, if, if ECU does go to Nashville for a Super Regional, that will be a hell of a fun trip to make in June. So I'm not, not going to complain about that. Uh, so we'll talk about more there if we get to that point. But ECU's got to take care of business first. They're hosting their sixth regional ever. I pulled up some of the stats here, Jonathan, for each of these teams. We'll start with Norfolk State. I don't know if you have any of these stats up as well. But just looking at some of the peripheral numbers, uh, 25 and 26 for Norfolk State overall, 18 and 10 in the MEAC. They, of course, won the automatic bid. This is their first ever regional appearance, which is uh, quite a, a moment for the Spartans. Uh, as far as common opponents, they played a four-game series at Old Dominion to open the season. They were swept in the four games. They lost seven to one, twelve to nothing, twelve to five, and nineteen to two. Outside of that, they didn't really play many teams. Um, you know, they had a game with VCU canceled. This is a team with a 260 RPI. Pretty much just played MEAC competition. Looking at them on paper. Uh, they're batting 266 as a team. They've only hit 24 home runs. But the big number that jumps out, 107 stolen bases and 145 attempts. Uh, wow. to, to, to compare that to their opponents, uh, 45 stolen bases for their opponents. So this team gets on base and they run. And they do strike out a ton. They've struck out 359 times as a team. Uh, but they get on base, and when they get on base, they run. So that's something that ECU, obviously, is going to have to really, really pay attention to. Uh, the other thing that jumped out to me looking at these stats, Jonathan, is they have a two-way guy. Danny Hazley is his name. And he not only leads their team in hitting, but he looks like their ace in terms of numbers, or at least one of their top pitchers. Uh, 375 batting average with 23 RBIs, you know, more of a, a, a average hitter. But then on the mound, the right-hander is 7-1 with a 2.95 ERA. 79 strikeouts and 73 innings compared to 17 walks, only a 206 batting average against. So uh, that guy, Danny Hazley, one of the top two-way players in the country. So, you know, just because they're a four seed doesn't mean they, they don't have talent. And we know they're going to run. We know they have a couple of good arms. They also have another pitcher. James DeLoach, who's 7-2 with a 2.58 ERA, 63 walks to 41 <laughs> or wait, 63 strikeouts to 41 walks. I mean, goodness gracious. This dude is either striking out people or he's walking them. So, interesting team here in Norfolk State. Don't really know what to expect. Um and we'll dive more into them, but just a couple of numbers there that that kind of jump out to me, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, that that base running, the stolen bases stat is just unreal i mean that i've never heard of a 107 whatever it was stolen bases at this point in the season that's absurd good for them but honestly that's going to be a test that ecu hasn't really seen this year i don't think we've faced a team that runs and steals bases that much so it's a different test but hey maybe it's something you know in that first game face a little adversity get a little experience in another situation you haven't faced yet so I'll be interested to see how that plays out, but you know, hopefully they don't get people on base and the ECU's pitching can hold up. Yeah, just looking at it, I mean, that's the thing is you're gonna want a pitcher who throws strikes. I mean, it, I mean that's an obvious statement, but you don't want to give this team free passes because they're hitting 266 basically against Miak pitching, and I'm gonna just take a guess here that 
you know, the the top arms in the MEAC are nowhere near as good as, you know, the, the average to bottom arms in the American or on ECU's roster. So you've got a team that probably is going to struggle to string together hits at times uh, against East Carolina. So you can't give them free passes. You can't hit batters. You can't walk them. Uh, and when you do get them on base, you know, I do feel pretty good about – I think ECU controls the running game pretty good, uh, especially their pitchers seem to key – uh, to play a big key there, of course. Um, you know, we know Seth Cadell has gotten better throughout his career defensively. And we might as well go ahead and talk about this, Jonathan, because it's been a big topic on Hoist of Colors already. But your game one starter at this point, you know, the the one issue I see with East Carolina, I don't really call it an issue, but the one question I have with East Carolina is, I think with a weaker four seed, you're probably not going to throw Gavin Williams in this game. But who do you start? You know, do you use Carson Wisenhunt um, on that Friday? And if not Wisenhunt, who else do you feel comfortable going with? I think that is a major question because right now I don't think you have a true number three starter you feel good about. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a really interesting game, really interesting pitching weekend overall for ECU. But, yeah, I agree. I don't think you throw Gavin in this game. I think you save him for the second game. But – I think I think the obvious answer is Carson Wisenhunt. I think he's who you have to roll out there because at this point, like you said, the depth behind them too, you know, it's it's questionable at best. You know, Tyler Smith has been up and down all season and he gives up a lot of free passes. He walks a lot of batters. And like you said, against a team like Norfolk State, you can't afford to just give free base runners throughout the game. And I think that's a big risk right now with Tyler Smith. You know, Jake Kuchmaner, I think I thought he pitched better over in his start in the game against UCF over in the AAC tournament, you know, there was some hard contact off of him, but he got outs, he got through two innings and I thought he did well. He gave up the one solo homer, but I mean, with, at least with him, you know, he's going to give up base hits. He might hit a couple batters here and there, but that's his biggest thing. He gets hit hard, but he doesn't really give up walks. You know, maybe he has a little bit more this year, but, as opposed to a Tyler Smith, you know, Jake Kuchmaner might be a better option. But I think you have to go Carson Wisenhunt because I think if you start playing for game two and game three of the weekend, you got to get there first. I think you're going to see Wisenhunt game one, and then you go Gavin, and you figure out the rest from there. You can't start playing it too far ahead. That's why I think you go with your number two. You go with Wisenhunt right out of the gate, and you take care of business in game one because you have to get you have to get there. If you lose game one, you mess around, you lose it. You fall into the loser's bracket like you did in the conference tournament. That's a heck of a fight to get back. We've seen them do it before. We've seen them not do it before. So I think you have to take care of business in game one. I think it's the most important game in the regional. And that's why, I personally, I think Carson Wisenhunt has to be the guy you start on the mound for ECU. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, I think if you start 2-0 in this regional, you're going to win the championship. Because I don't think Maryland or Charlotte have the horses to come out of the loser's bracket and beat you twice on your home field at that point, even if you're throwing whoever. I, I just think you're going to have the home crowd behind you. You've got two teams in Charlotte and Maryland who aren't used to playing in a regional. Uh, I just don't see that as a viable possibility. So I think if you, I think your goal is to start 2-0 and and then make somebody come out of the loser's bracket to beat you. And in order to do that, you you know, you know have to guarantee or you have to win game one to guarantee that possibility. So I agree. You know, I would probably lean Wisenhunt. Um, you know, otherwise, I just don't know. You know, Cooch is interesting. If he was more consistent this year, I think he makes perfect sense in a matchup like this. 
because he's going to throw strikes and he's not. The other team's going to have to beat him, and he controls the running game extremely well. But I just think with the way he's been pitching, it would be a risky move to do. So uh, it's not an easy decision any one way. I think that this is a decision Cliff Galvin said today that they'll look at tonight and tomorrow, probably announce it on Wednesday, and then go from there. But you know, he we asked him. Uh, do you, you know, what do you think about the pitching matchup? Do you play to win the regional, all that? He said, look, you know, you go into a regional, you play to win it. Uh, whether, you know, he said he's not afraid to hold his ace for the game, uh, game two. You know, it's interesting because the few times he's done it, ECU has lost. You know, you look at uh, the the first regional as a coach, he saved Reed, Reed Love against Columbia and threw Evan Krasinski. Krasinski uh, got beat, and then ECU went to the loser's bracket. Jake Agnos, he saved in the Greenville region in 2019, and the Pirates lost to Quinnipiac. And then, of course, came out of the loser's bracket to win it, but it was obviously tough. So we'll see. I, I I do have a feeling for sure that he won't throw Gavin. I'll be surprised if he throws Gavin Williams in that in that first game. But uh, the Pirates, either way, whoever throws the offense has to show up in game one. I think that's the biggest thing. All right, so there's kind of your look at Norfolk State talk there. We should know by Wednesday, maybe Tuesday evening, who is starting for ECU? All right, let's take a quick glance at some of these other teams. Jonathan, Charlotte, we know well. Um, 298 batting average as a team. They've hit 60 home runs as a team. They've stolen 64 out of 80 bases. You know, one key thing with them is David McCabe, who's one of their better hitters. He was hurt in the middle of the year. He actually played against ECU. Can't remember if he had a huge weekend or not, but uh, he was hurt. He's now back. He returned. I think a couple of weeks ago, so he should be good to go for the regional. They've got another big hitter in Austin Knight, who's batting 351 with 29 doubles. That is a lot of doubles and 10 home runs. Uh, Will Butcher is another guy who can rake seven homers, seven doubles, 37 RBIs. Um, so they just have a, a really good top of the order as far as batting. You know, their pitching started off really good this season, but has really fallen on hard times down the stretch. Their team ERA has, has risen to 5-2-9. Um, Bryce McGowan, we know that he's a talented weekend starter, as is Andrew Lindsay. Both those guys have ERAs in the 4-6 range. We also saw uh, a couple other starters or, or good arms at ECU. Christian Lowe's is a talented freshman lefty. He leads the team with eight saves and a 2-7-2 ERA. But um, Charlotte's a, a scary team, man. They are certainly capable of coming here and winning a game. They've got some power. They can hit. And, you know, if, if not for ECU, I think Charlotte is definitely, uh, you know, probably the second team to watch in this regional just based off their uh, overall team talent. Yeah, I think like you said, and like I said earlier, you know, Charlotte, I think they're a different team right now than when ECU faced them earlier. And, and that's a lot of different ways. You know, like you said with the pitching – you know, they came in with a really nice rotation and some of them, their numbers might not look as good as they did earlier in the year. I remember when they came to Greenville earlier in the season, I texted you and I said, I have a feeling ECU might lose this weekend series just because, you know, their starting pitchers looked really good. And, you know, obviously I ate my words on that one and I was glad I did. But, you know, like you said, their lineup, their lineup, they have a couple of really nice bats and I think they have some depth top to bottom as well. And they're a team, like you said, you can't sleep on them. I think they're a team, if they win that first game against Maryland, then I do think they're in a position. I think they're they're probably a team that could take two from ECU to take a regional just because of their depth 
and I think their talent is unquestionable. They're good. They're they're ranked. They've been ranked high. They've been ranked top twenty five for a lot of the later portion of the season. So they're a talented team. They're a scary team. But yeah, I think for them, they're different than when we saw them. But they are. That you can't take them lightly for sure. Or they can be a team that makes a run and advance out of this regional. Your number three seed, the Maryland Terrapins. What a weird year in the Big Ten. Zero non-conference games. So I don't really know even how to begin to evaluate the Big Ten, which is historically not so great of a league, but is a you know a decent league. I mean, hell, Michigan almost won the uh, national championship a, a few years ago as a three seed, uh, and Maryland is a three seed this year. So the Terps went 28-16 and 16 in the Big Ten, 16-4 and four at home, 9-7 and seven on the road, 3-5 and five in neutral sites. Uh, you know, taking a look at their schedule right quick, I think three, yeah, three Big Ten teams made the field, Michigan, Nebraska, and Maryland. Michigan, against Michigan, they split a two-game series, and then they won two out of three at Michigan later in the year. And then, let's see, versus Nebraska, they lost two out of three at Nebraska and did not play them again. Let's uh, see, yeah. So, um so, you know, pretty good track record there against the other best teams in those leagues. You know, statistic uh, statistically, Maryland is batting 260 as a team. They've hit 60 home runs, so the same number as Charlotte. Um, they've got one guy with 17 home runs, Benjamin Coles, batting 302 as a junior with 17 bombs and 49 RBIs. So clearly some pop there. Matthew Shaw is batting 335 with 15 doubles, five homers. And Chris Eleni is batting four, uh, batting 306, 14 doubles, eight homers. So they got some pop. You know, it doesn't look like their lineup is too deep, but they have, you know, three or four guys that can hit. Pitching-wise, you know, their numbers on the mound kind of uh, stuck out to me. 396 walks or 396 strikeouts as a staff, 169 walks. Uh, they've got one starter, Sean Burke, who's a six-six righty, who has struck out 99 guys in 68 innings, 38 walks, 175 batting average against. He's five and three with a 3.56 ERA, so he looks like one of their better pitchers. And then they got two other guys. They start uh, Nick Dean has appeared in nine games, nine starts, 2.87 ERA. So uh, they've got some arms, a couple bullpen guys, one of their uh, talented relievers has a 1.28 ERA, two saves, and 29 innings pitched. So uh, pitching staff only giving up a 246 batting average. So looks like a pretty solid all-around team. You know, we'll dive more into them in the coming days. But, you know, I think Maryland's a, a sneaky three seed. They closed the year playing strong, uh, second-place finish in the Big Ten. So we'll, we'll look more into the Terrapin, Jonathan. But um, I don't think this is a team you can sleep on. Yeah, I think sneaky is a really good word for them. My first – reaction obviously i didn't know a lot of the numbers on them but they snuck out as a they stuck out as a team to me that you know again like charlotte they can make a run and i think it's with their pitching you know pitching is going to win a regional and if maryland can come in and pitch well like their numbers show they can then they're a team that can like charlotte like ecu really advance out of this regional and yeah it's going to be tough you know like you said their lineup's not as deep but Man, 17 homers in 44 games or whatnot, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, yeah, just having a nice lineup, whether it's three to four, whether it's one through nine, you know, it's going to be tough. 
Region, postseason baseball is a different animal, but Maryland's a team that I really could see sneaking out of this regional. So we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how their pitching holds up against Charlotte and then ECU and Norfolk State. But, yeah, we'll see. It'll be an interesting matchup. All right, we have the schedule for the regional, the complete regional, the game times and everything. So ECU has elected to play the 12 noon Eastern game on Friday, which is an interesting decision. Maryland and Charlotte will go with the 6 p.m. game that night. But this is a strategic decision. The last few times ECU has hosted, they have played the night game on the opening day on Friday. Uh, Cliff Godwin said it's a competitive advantage to play the early game because the weather can push you back. Uh, for the early game and can really wreak havoc on that night game. Uh, of course, it's an advantage to have a night game for the fans. But I think from a competitive standpoint, you not only get more time to to recover because the next game, if you lose, the Saturday game is scheduled for 1 p.m. and the winner's bracket game is set for 6 p.m. on that Saturday. So you just have more time to recover if you play that early game and win it. So I think it's a smart, strategical decision, Jonathan. Uh, your thoughts on going with the, the 12 noon game instead of the night game on that Friday? Yeah, I think it's definitely a smart decision strategically, especially since, I mean, we all know how it works when regionals come to Greenville. It's going to rain. I don't know if it's going to rain 100%. Friday. I don't know if it's going to rain Saturday. I don't know if it's going to rain Sunday. I don't know if it's going to rain all three days. But we're going to see rain at some point. So it's smart to just go ahead and get – 12 o'clock game for ECU, you know, get it out of the way, hopefully. And then if you say you're put into a delay during that 12 o'clock game or right before, then at least you're not having to wait around even longer if than if you would if you were the later game, you know, waiting for the 12 o'clock game to happen and then any potential delays from there. Getting it out of the way, don't have to worry about any possible delays. You don't have to wait for a whole nother game to shake out because you never know how long a baseball game is going to take, especially again in Greenville, North Carolina. So, you know, I think it's a smart choice. It sucks a little bit for the fans just since work and stuff, but yeah, I think overall it, you kind of had to, and I'm, I'm glad they elected to go with the early game as opposed to the late one. You'll probably lose, you know, I would say maybe 500 to a thousand fans, uh, in terms of advantage, but I do think overall, you know, Cliff said it was important to kind of give the fans every opportunity to attend those night games earlier in his tenure because they hadn't hosted so long. But now, you know, it's about winning. And ECU, I think the best strategical move is playing that noon game, getting it out of the way, hopefully winning it, and then focusing on the night game. Um, and you don't have to sit around and wait all day to play. You can just get out there, wake up, and play. So, uh, I think that's important. And then if the rest of the schedule, like I said, uh, so noon and 6 on Friday for the two games. Game 3 Saturday will be 1 o'clock for the losers in an elimination game. Uh, game 4 on Saturday scheduled for 6 p.m. in the winner's bracket game. And then the loser of that game will have to turn around and play at noon on Sunday. And then the championship game, the first championship game, scheduled for 6 p.m. on Sunday night. And then, if necessary, a second championship game will be played Monday at 1 p.m. So, uh, that is your regional schedule. Again, it probably will be altered multiple times because uh, that is how regionals work in Eastern North Carolina. I'm I'm 99.9% certain that every single regional has been affected by weather that East Carolina has hosted, whether it be in Greenville, Kinston, Wilson, etc. So, 
Uh, it is what it is. But uh, Jonathan, man, a, a lot to look forward to. Not only this week, um, but you know, with the, the with the EC regional, but around the country, we'll take a quick look, kind of at at some other regionals again. We'll have a more in depth breakdown later this week of the Greenville regional. But uh, the other team from the American South Florida, they're a four seed. They end up winning the conference, so they're a four seed in the Gainesville regional in Florida, which ended up being the 15 seed. NC State gets sent to Louisiana Tech, which, you know, on paper kind of makes sense outside of the travel. They're one of the stronger two seeds. They get to take on one of the weaker one seeds at Louisiana Tech. Um, LSU gets in, pulmonary, retirement. Of course, they find their way into the field. Of course, there's going to be a lot of discussion about Cliff Goblin and his potential, uh, the courtship of LSU and Cliff Goblin as he used to coach there. And that opening happened. We'll get more into that at a later date. So uh, you already mentioned the Old Dominion deal. Uh, Texas Tech somehow got a third national seed from the Big 12 as they're the eight. TCU is the six and Texas is the two. Uh, Tennessee, the third national seed. I was surprised Vanderbilt fell to four, but I guess it makes some sense. Um, I'll tell you what, Tennessee, man, for being the third national seed, they got screwed on this deal. Wright State as the four seed. And for those who don't follow Wright State baseball, this is a team that, man, they're in the tournament every year and they're dangerous. And they also get Red Hot Duke and Liberty. That that might be the toughest regional in the field. Yeah, I think one through four, that's definitely a tough one. Duke is playing good baseball right now. Liberty's playing good baseball right now. And, yeah, that one-four matchup, I mean, that's, that's brutal. That's probably one of the, you know, we talked about ECU probably getting one of the, easier on paper four seeds but man that one that one's just brutal that's the opposite end of the spectrum and better them than us i guess so but that's gonna be an entertaining regional one way or the other i think that's one i'm definitely going to watch but i think there's one two i really think any of those teams can win that regional obviously tennessee is going to be the favorite but any of those four teams i think are capable of making a run so that's going to be a fun one to watch and fun one to follow throughout the weekend so much about this is about matchups and draws, and if you're ECU, you almost would rather be the 14 seed because you would play the winner of that Knoxville Regional. First of all, I'd rather play Tennessee than Vanderbilt. Second of all, I'd much rather take my chances with uh, Vanderbilt's Regional if I'm Vanderbilt than what Tennessee got. So interesting that it played out that way is their ma- Tennessee's matchup with Oregon. Um, could definitely see LSU or Gonzaga emerging from that bracket. VCU and Campbell both got at-large uh, bids. Well, VCU got the automatic. They would have got an at-large anyway. But uh, good to see Campbell get an at-large bid. They're playing each other in the Starkville Regional at Mississippi State. North Carolina sneaks into the field despite only being two games over 500. Uh, they're at Texas Tech where they will play UCLA in what should be a hell of a first-round game. So uh, tons of good matchups across the country. Watch out for Connecticut. Old AAC foe in this in the Notre Dame regional wouldn't be shocked if they win that at all. So lots of uh, lots of exciting stuff, Jonathan. I'm pumped. Uh, I I am picking New Jersey Tech to knock off the Arkansas Razorbacks uh, as my upset of the week. You got any upsets of the week? Mm. My uh, I I don't know the field well enough yet to pick one, but. You know, when we go, when we, when we look later in the week, when we record later in the week, I'll have a better, a more well-informed upset pick. That way, I can actually back it up and not just be talking 
for the sake of talking. I will have a prediction for you later in the week. Hold me to that. I'll hold you to that, and I'm going to re- redact uh, that statement. I'm not picking <laughs> New Jersey Tech to really beat Arkansas <laughs> because Arkansas is absolutely disgusting, man. I mean, I've watched them like four or five times this year, and they are – you know, they don't really have that great a starting pitching outside of their ace, but they're just so good in the lineup, and Kevin Copps is just a monster out of the bullpen. So uh, we'll see. But, um, but yeah, so that's it, man. Uh, we'll Again, we'll dive more into this regional, especially the Greenville Regional uh, later in the week, uh, Jonathan, I appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, it's been a long, long ride to get to this point, um, and I'm just happy we're here. Yeah, it's been a fun season. It's been a season I think we all needed after, you know, not really getting to finish last season through. And, you know, Clearwater, like we said earlier, I'm glad I was there. It was fun. It was fun to see the team compete. It was fun to see the team really get into it. I hope you guys could hear me on TV. And yes, we also we almost wrongfully got kicked out. Um, they were looking for some other guys, and it was not us. That was a whole other story. But it was a fun week, and I think I think Cliff Godwin is going to have the the team really pumped up and ready to go on Friday. And I think if you can be there, get your tickets, get there, and it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's going to make up for last year. I think it's going to be that much better than it normally is i'm pumped and i'm glad that we'll be able to be there for it we'll have uh some regional predictions later in the week as well and uh players to watch out for all that stuff all right that'll do it for the podcast portion of our episode i'm going to attach a press conference audio from earlier today from the regional press conference head coach cliff goblin pitcher cam colmore catcher seth cadell pitcher matt bridges first baseman slash outfitter Thomas Francisco and third baseman Zach Agnos. You'll hear all those press conferences in order. And yes, I asked Thomas Francisco about not making the first team and his reaction to it. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, as far as the podcast goes, we'll be back with you later in the week to discuss more about the Greenville Regional. Thanks for listening. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just super excited for our guys, for our fans. I mean, it's uh, been a long time since Clark LeClaire has been packed. So, uh, 
got chill bumps talking to Brian Bailey earlier, just that the place is going to be packed, it's going to be electric, and it's going to be back to normal. So super proud of our guys, super proud of uh, our, our staff, um, what people don't realize, what our guys have been through this year, of course, with the COVID protocols. But to really the, the four-game weekends and three days and playing 36 innings, it was a grind, and we knew it was going to be tough. And to be honest with you, it was set up for us to fail because when we got to conference play, we were really good. Our record was really good. Our RPI was really good. And, you know, other teams in the uh, conference hadn't played as consistent baseball as us. So for our guys to win the regular season, go down to the conference tournament, lose in game one, win three games down there, uh, I just think this is as tough of a group as we've ever had here at East Carolina and the way they've had to navigate through this season. So uh, super proud just uh, to be here and to be a part of a third straight regional we've hosted in Greenville, which is uh, unprecedented times, and I'm, I'm super uh, just happy that I'm a part of it. Can you kind of take us through the emotions of sitting there watching the field? Uh, oh, sorry. Take us through the emotions of uh, watching the field being unveiled with all your players and, and what that experience is like, even in a year when you know you're, you're safe. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I go, I've, I've never been in a situation where we weren't safe. In 17, we knew we weren't going to make it, and uh, we've been safe every other time. Um, but I just sit back there in the back, and I was sitting next to Seth Goodell and, you know, Bridgie and Cam and those guys, and I just try to take it in with them. Uh, I've learned that this isn't guaranteed in any profession to, to be able to host a regional, and I'm just, man, I'm getting chill bumps because it's, it's very special. Just looking at the regional kind of field, you know, initially you know Charlotte a little bit, obviously. In Norfolk State, I'm sure you'll do stuff on them, but do you have any just – I can pronounce Norfolk State better than I could pronounce Quinnipiac. That's about the extent that I know about them. Um, no, it's uh, – and, and I tell our guys this and I tell all you fans this is, you know, some fans will look at it and go, hey, this is an easy regional. Some will say hard. Teams don't get to the postseason unless they're good. And – just because we played Charlotte early in the year, I mean, that was two, three months ago. So they're a different team. We're a different team. Uh, we need to worry about Norfolk State. Uh, game one, as you guys know, uh, you know, uh, we, we needed to worry about Quinnipiac, and they beat us. So uh, we need to worry about Norfolk State first. Coach, are you ready to announce who will be pitching Friday, or when will that announcement come, if not today? Uh, it won't come today. You know, I'm going to sit down with our staff and – we're going to look at Norfolk State and matchups and everything like that. Plus, we're going to make sure that our pitchers feel good and, and all that good stuff. So, I don't even know if it'll come out Tuesday, but you know, definitely by Wednesday, we'll have a good, pretty good idea who's pitching. I was going to ask you somewhat about that. But how much do you look at opponents' and lineups and their offense versus what you want to do to set up your pitching for the weekend? What is that balance, I guess, like? Well, it's tricky as a head coach. You know, I worked for Mike Bianco, and, uh, you know, Mike threw our number one every time, uh, except uh, when we went to uh, NC State in 13, and they had Rodon, and we knew that Bobby Wall was the only guy that could uh, beat Rodon, so we threw Mike Myers against William & Mary, and we lost against William & Mary, which at the time, I don't even know if Coach Bianco knew that William & Mary had a program, so he was pretty upset that we talked him into uh, not throwing Bobby, and of course we uh, threw Bobby in game two, and then we lost to William and Mary again in game three. So it's tricky. 
Um, I've never been afraid. Look, man, the goal is to win the regional. In 15, when we went down to Miami, we threw Krasinski against Columbia because Reed Love was our ace, and I felt like that Reed Love was the only guy that could beat Miami. Well, we lost to Columbia and then played Reed Love, I mean, played FIU and Reed Love pitch, and we got beat 2 nothing. which, you know, our guys were gassed. We won the conference tournament that year, and we were thin. I think we traveled 26 players when we could travel 27. But you go down there to win the regional. You don't go, you know, you don't host a regional. You don't go to a regional without going into to putting your best foot forward to give you an opportunity to win the regional. Cliff, when Maryland was announced, you could see on Jake's face a little smile just because of that history, uh, pretty cool history. <laughs> you to talk to him. I know it's different season, different year, but still with the back of, uh, the back of your head, maybe that possible matchup. Uh, I actually, I, I didn't. I didn't see Jake's reaction, Cooch's reaction, and that's been a few years ago. Um, obviously, a great moment in ECU baseball history. A great moment for Jake Cooch Manor, but they're a different team. They're hot, um, so um, you know it's you got four, three quality opponents in the regional: Norfolk State, Maryland, and uh, Charlotte. How much do you balance, obviously, getting work this week in preparation, but also getting the guys off their feet? Because y'all been on the road for three straight weeks now and kind of getting them recharged for the region. Yeah, it's it's a big thing. You know, we took uh, two days off when we got back from Cincinnati. We just took two days off. I mean, that gauntlet we went through at Cincinnati to win three out of the four games. Our guys just got off their feet. And, you know, John Gilbert just was like, man, I – I can't believe, like, in a good way, like, that you would do that. And I was like, hey, man, like, I know what our guys put into trying to win a game. So if we don't get them off their feet, we're going to be gassed when we go to South Florida. And I thought that was a big reason we were able to win both games with that doubleheader on day one. So they won't do anything else today. They'll relax, they'll chill, get treatment, guys that are nicked up a little bit. And tomorrow the position players will lift weights. We'll have a short practice. Um, it won't be necessarily light, but it'll be a short practice and then Wednesday we'll have a short practice, and then of course on Thursday, you know, you got the NCAA reps out here yelling at me that I'm out there one minute before the time, so I can't wait for that. This is the third straight. Have you taken anything from years past? Uh, any routines? Have you, you know, what have you learned uh, hosting these things as you go into another one here? To enjoy it more. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but to try not to get caught up in all the external stuff where it's I want to enjoy it with the guys like what they have accomplished this season and what our previous teams have it's it's special to me uh, being an alum here so I want to enjoy it more I want our guys to play our brand of baseball um, I don't want them to worry about who we're playing I want us to play great baseball in front of our great fan base and get the jungle rocking and Clark LeClaire rocking and um, maybe John will let us sell an extra couple tickets out there in the jungle, you know, since uh, we can be on next to each other now. So looking forward to Pirate Nation. Just uh, it'll be it'll be super exciting as it always is. But to not have fans for two years basically and have that place packed, I can't imagine the uh, excitement that's going to be jumping on Friday afternoon. You can give them two, Malcolm. I has got another one. I'm sure it's a tough one. I, I just want to check that Friday at noon it showed on the uh, screen. Did you have any, like, did you get to pick right as the host for, like, what time or no? 
we got to pick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. What else do you want to ask, Ronnie? No, yeah, no, hey. no, no. Last time it was at night. Yep. So, yep. I'll be totally, hey, a lot of times I'm not totally transparent with you. I'll be transparent with you, you know. In 18, when we, I wanted the kids to see the, I wanted the kids to be a part of the fans. Like I wanted the place to be packed. Our guys had never hosted. I wanted them. 19, kind of the same thing. Um, 19, we came very close to if State and Campbell were able to finish that game, and the NCAA rep was like, you know, 10 o'clock, we're going to go back. Then we would have had to play a double header on Saturday as a one seed. That's a competitive disadvantage. Um, with COVID and a lot of more people uh, being able to work uh, online instead of virtually, instead of being in a person. And I think people will take days off work to be at the regional at noon on Friday after not having this place packed. So all those things went into it. And, uh, you know, I talked to John, I talked to JJ and uh, said, hey, look, I want to play game one. And uh, so we're going to play game one. Good, you guys are uh, your buddies. So there, there's your question. Anything else? All right. Okay, I'm just uh, you fits in a, in a regional four. Just what do you feel like this this weekend will be like? The week leading up and just kind of the emotions of, of playing in front of a big crowd again. Oh, you know it's going to be nice. Uh, it's it's been over a year since you know we played in front of uh, a Pat Clark Leclerc Stadium, and it's just so special to see. You know, um, me growing up, that's you know I always dreamed about playing in front of a Pat Clark Leclerc Stadium. I just can't wait. You know, it's been so long, so can't wait for Friday, twelve o'clock. You, if my memory serves right, you pitched the end of the NC State game here in that regional, right? I mean, what really has been since then that that place was packed? I mean, so you were directly involved in that. So what do you think about just the wait from then until now, or Friday, I guess? Yeah, uh, you know, there's, I'm, you know, that wait. I just can't wait for Friday, at, uh, twelve o'clock. But yeah, um, seeing, you know, pitching that ninth inning against NC State. You know, Jake Agnos obviously pitched, you know, an awesome game, and then just coming in and getting the opportunity to close that game out um, and just feeling the crowd after, you know, I struck the last guy out, just seeing, you know, how pumped up Clark Clara was was just so special. And, you know, I can't wait for Friday night. So. Okay, yeah. I asked Cliff this, but how important will it be for you guys to recharge after being on the, the road for so long? I feel like you had played a home game forever, yeah. but to uh, kind of recharge, get your feedback on you with uh, the regional coming up. You know, yeah, it's big time, um, you know, not only for pitchers, but uh, for our position players too. But, you know, a lot of guys, you know, in the South Florida and Clearwater Series, we used a lot of arms, you know, some back-to-back days. So, you know, these couple of days off are going to be big for, you know, a lot of our relief arms and, uh, you know, use it to our advantage. So. Uh, just curious, and last week could have kind of, help you here, but you can do different things. And you started some kind of a little bit in longer leagues, you can close it. How do you approach me mentally, not knowing exactly what your role might be throughout the weekend, but just kind of being ready at any time, I guess? Is that how you approach it? Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Dietz talks about it. Um, just, you know, whether I'm starting, closing a game, you know, coming in for longer leaf, uh, just close out innings. You know, I don't, I don't, if I'm starting a game like I did at uh, Cincinnati, I wasn't necessarily treating like a starter, just treating, you know, hey, it's the ninth inning, I'm going to close this thing out, so... Well, it doesn't matter when I'm pitching. That's how you know I treat every inning. So tell them how mad you were when I let you go back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Cincinnati. I had thrown uh, twice earlier that weekend, and uh, he gave me the ball for the start. And um, K 
came back in in the first inning. He said, uh, you know, I think we're going to go to Josh Groves. And I, I, I don't think I've ever been that mad at Coach Godwin, you know, in my life. Uh, you know, I did some things I wasn't supposed to, you know. You maybe, I, you know, might have thrown a sign card here or there. But, you know, but, yeah, so. Yeah, Starter's mentality. With uh, the fans returning and you being a local guy, what's your ticket request situation looking like this week with friends and family? Uh, you know, they're going to be uh, – I'm going to get a lot of texts here soon, uh, so we'll see. Um, you know, obviously my family my grandparents will be here, you know, last time playing, you know, at Clark Claire maybe. So, you know, it's going to be special, so. Uh, so just uh, take some of the emotions of sitting over there with your, your teammates kind of taking all that in. You guys put a lot of work in to get to this point. Does that kind of seek in when you're, you're sitting there watching the selection show? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, we had a really good year this year, and just being able to, to you know do some more team bonding before we go onto that field on Friday was you know really special, and I'm glad we got to do it. I know with COVID, there's you know not the fans here like there has been in the past with the other regionals, but it's really fun. What was we couldn't tell exactly on TV, but what was the atmosphere like at the AAC tournament? Is it difficult to even compare that, which looks kind of spotty, I guess, mm-hmm. compared to what this place will be like? It's a pretty stark difference you'll have in a week, basically. Yeah, especially well, even just the whole regular season, we you know didn't have that many fans just with the COVID restrictions and whatnot. But AC tournament, I mean, yeah, there was fans there, but obviously not as many as they're going to be on Friday. But honestly, we just got to focus on ourselves and not really what the you know fans are. They're obviously going to come out, but we just need to play our brand of baseball and we'll be fine. After the uh, the three straight losses, anything extra said uh, before the, the you know the game uh, following that, or was it business as usual for you guys? Um, honestly, just biz- business as usual. We know that we didn't play our best for those last three games, and we knew Gavin had the ball, so we, he obviously gives us a really good chance to win. And we knew that our bats would finally come alive, and then they started to come around. So I wouldn't say it wasn't any added pressure. We just knew that you know just try not to force things and just be ourselves, and that'll take care of it. I'm sure the catching staff will love this one, but how much do y'all, if you can't answer honestly, pay attention to like the matchups and the kind of projections, and then now you kind of know the teams. I mean, do you break down to go home and like look at a lot of stuff, or do you kind of just wait for the scouting report for them? I mean, do the players get into that like the way that we do with fans and stuff, or no? I mean, probably some of them do, but, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I mean, I know that Charlotte and Maryland and Norfolk State's coming, but we're honestly just focused on Norfolk State. We don't need to worry about the other game because we, we know what happens when we did that in 19. So we'll just focus on Friday at 12 and we'll be fine. So what's it been like catching Gavin this year? I mean, he's obviously been on the roll, but can you yeah. just kind of put in the words uh, that the season he's had? Uh, it's been honestly pretty crazy. I mean, what is he, 10-0, I think? 10-0, yeah. I mean, gives us a good chance to win, obviously, and he, he commands, you know, all three pitches, and he's really tough to beat, and it's hard to just string at-bats against him, you know, get one single, and then, you know, the ending's kind of over with after that. So, I mean, he's just – and he's just a competitor too. So, I'm really proud of him, and he's came into the, the picture since – I mean, I've been catching him since I was probably about 12 years old, and to see him now, it's pretty remarkable. So, yeah, he's done a great job. I'll credit Igo for this one, unless he's wrong. But he, he said that they, when they said Norfolk State, that they lead the country in stolen bases or up there. Uh, did you catch that at all? No, nah, <laughs> nah, I didn't catch that. But no, nah, I didn't catch that. But I, I mean, yeah, that's a good stat to know. So we'll know they'll be trying to run. So yeah, that'll be good for me.
Yeah. <laughs> Matt, uh, what what do you remember about your first regional? I guess your unique the, the six year thing, and, and compared to now, I mean, how much does this feel kind of normal to you? Been through a lot of these, or is it, <laughs> they all still different and excited? I mean, I would definitely say they're all different and excited. Like seventeen, you know, kind of set in with me that you can't really take it for granted because they don't come around too often. And um, just really want to enjoy my time here. Um, freshman year was was really cool. You know, we were a tough group. Um, went on the road to Virginia. Um, crazy moment by Travis Falkins there, and it kind of rolled into uh, the Texas Tech Super Regional and. You know, we're really just trying to build on from there and do something that ECU's never done. You know, that's why um, Cam, myself, and Smitty came back this year was just to just to do something crazy, and uh, it's the biggest thing. But <clears throat> just gotta take it one game at a time. Uh, you made your first start after 101 relief appearances. So, uh, what was that like at the conference tournament? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was ready to get the ball. Um, it's cool, but uh, like Cam said earlier, really just just to close out innings, you know. I really didn't try to think that I was starting that game. It was just, you know, next pitch mentality, and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to off, finish off this batter and get to the next one, and, and it passed it off to the next guy, and Cam was there to back me up, which was cool. So, um, you know, I, I think that's how all of our mentality should be from here on out, and we'll be, uh, we'll be great. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing is just to stay within ourselves, really, and um, try to block out the noise, you know, because it's, it's a big weekend for everybody. And I hope Greenville's here, and it's a big party in Greenville, and, you know, everybody's having a lot of fun. It's a big weekend, big crowd. and um, But the biggest thing is just to focus on the moment, you know, and take it all in, you know. Tell, I'm going to tell the guys just to, you know, like Ryder Giles will talk about this moment with him and Turner Brown, which I think is really cool. Um, how before they run out, you know, you, you just take take a moment, just take it all in, because it's something special. But I really think just to stay in the moment is the biggest thing, and you know, just as pitchers, just flood the strike zone, because trusting with our, trusting what got us there in the first place is the biggest thing, because we know we're a good team, we can beat anybody. So, uh, Thomas, this is uh, so you were in the second team, Thomas. Uh, any thoughts on that? I know you guys focus on team goals all that. No, nah, you know, I'm, I don't want to say anything about it. You know, it's we're we're here for we're a team. Um, you know, there's no award you get is because of you know you can't do it alone. Um, I'm not going to make any comment on that. You know, I don't I don't need the conference to you know to validate that I feel like I've had a good season. But it's more about the team. Um, so no, no, I no comment on that. We're just. And, and we're, I couldn't vote for Frank because I voted for first. Yeah, it's it, it, we uh, you know we have bigger goals than you know individual goals and. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not worried about that stuff. Speaking of your individual numbers, they're phenomenal. Is it crazy that somebody's hit better than you this year than Connor Norby? Talk about his Norby's had a great year. You know, uh, probably one of the best that, you know, that I've ever seen. Um, you know, we need, him to, we need him to keep playing like he's playing. And, uh, you know, I've always believed in Norby. You know, when we were freshmen, uh, we'd always talk about how, like, we'd need to step up one day. And he's played so great. I'm so proud of him. And, you know the, I guess the jump that he's made from his freshman year here to now it's it's incredible. I couldn't be more proud of him. 
Brandy, how hard is it when you're trying to play your best baseball at this time of the year, and, and then some guys are pressed, and some guys, you know, the leadership comes into play, but, but it's kind of a fine line. Isn't it? Right, yeah, so, you know, once you get to this part of the season, you know, everybody's good, and, um, you know, if uh, everybody's kind of there, has, um, is they're in control of their own destiny at this point, so, you know, if we go out there and play our best baseball, um, you know, I, I really feel like we can make a deep run, and, you know, we just got to do what we've been doing all year long, and don't change anything up. Does this... Kind of big picture. Does this feel normal? You know, you're having a press conference this week and all. I mean, compared to what you've been through the past year, you know, I mean, does this? I don't know. Give y'all sense of normalcy at all? Oh yeah, this has been awesome. You know, we can you can never take this stuff for granted because it doesn't happen all the time. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into this. You know, in the fall and all the way leading up to it. But I'm just really happy you know to experience this. But um, we still got to go out there and play the game. So that's the big thing. Oh, it's awesome. You know, Pirate Nation is a special, special group, and we're happy to get out there and play in front of them. You know, they, they traveled really well down to Clearwater, but knowing that there's going to be over 5,000 here, it's just really exciting. We're looking forward to it. Uh, it was cool seeing the box score and seeing uh, parentheses S1 beside your name, picking up that save. Uh, talk about the, the relief valley down in Clearwater. Uh, How fun was that? Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, you know, told Coach Calvin earlier in the game, I said, Coach, I got an enemy. Um, you know, Dietz and I have been talking, and Austin Knight, um, we've been working on some new arm slots where I go a little higher, a little lower. So we debuted it and, um, you know, never looked back from there. It was, it was awesome. You know, it was the first time off the mound since ODU. Had a bad taste in my mouth about that. But, you know, just working with the coaches, and, you know, the, all the guys in the dugout trusting me, you know, Give me positive touches walking on the field, hugging me. It was awesome. Going back to that, your first few batters, I think you had some borderline pitches not go your way. It was like not hard to get frustrated in that moment just because you had been so awesome since you could pitch and you know, make things work on your way to start with. Yeah, it was frustrating, but, you know, we preached, uh, you know, mental toughness and just moving on, getting over the next, getting to the next pitch and, you know, uh, felt like I was attacking the batters. I was all around the strike zone. And, you know, I look in the dugout, and Coach G and Dietz are, you know, nodding their heads saying, great job, great job, you're attacking it. And Dietz came out on a mound visit, and, you know, he's like, your stuff looks really good. You know, you got all the confidence in the world. Like, just go get them. So. Zach, you talked about, uh, talk to Jake about the regionals and get an idea there. And also, what did Jake say about the haircut? Uh, he's not too happy about it. Uh, he, uh, no, but I've talked to him about it, and, I haven't talked to him, obviously, since the selection show, but um, he said uh, I can't. He said he can't describe it. Pirate Nation is second to nobody. Uh, they're the best fans in the country. Um, I've never experienced anything like it. Um, last year we got to experience Ole Miss a little bit, but he says that compares nothing to the regional. So uh, all the guys are pumped up. Kind of going on that. Were you here in nineteen? Were they like? Were you in the stands or the? Unfortunately not. I was okay. still I was still playing baseball in uh, high school. My season was still going on, so now. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you go to many games last year that year? Like I said, you kind of envision what it might be like Friday or anything? Uh, I can't fathom it right now. Um, I went to a couple regular season games just before the high school season, but, you know, it was kind of cool. Uh, I got to see, like, Bridgie and Cam and all them play and, and Smitty, and I, I told Jake the other day, I said I could never imagine being teammates with them, and it's reality, and they've been my best friends, so.
Thank you, guys. Docu-series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.